You're listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. This is episode eight of our Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. You can check out previous episodes on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And if you'd like to put forward a suggestion for someone that I can interview, or if you have a question around any of the content that you've heard, then shoot through an email to rachel at victoryonemedia.com. Today's guest, Justin Fung, is an executive counsel specializing in employment law at one of the world's leading law firms, Herbert Smith Freehills. Justin talks us through his non-religious upbringing and just how he came to accept the gospel for himself, his experiences at Redfern Legal Centre, his career progression, and the City Regenerate ministry that he started for CBD workers. And you can find out more about City Regenerate on Facebook and on Twitter. Justin focuses a lot on his heart for connecting the culture of corporate workers with the love of Jesus and what that looks like. So here's my conversation with Justin Fong. Uh, I was born uh, in Australia, in Sydney, and I've pretty much lived here all my life. I'm part of a family of three, so I have a younger sister and an older half-brother. And yeah, I grew up in a place called Castle Cove, which is just on the North Shore. And not many people know about it. It's sort of <laughs> tucked away. And yeah, I grew up there and uh, I, I went to school in a couple of different places. First thing, a place in St. Ives and then a place in the city and eventually finished high school, went to Sydney Uni and um, did a law degree and have been working since coming out of uni. So that's a bit about myself. And what are some of your early memories? Oh yeah, look, there are so many. Um, I, I remember sort of spending a lot of time with my parents driving up and down the coast. So growing up there, my parents loved going on trips in the car. So we would listen to dad's, you know, favorite music, whether it was Beatles or Simon and Garfunkel. And we, yeah, it was great. Like, and we would go up the coast. Port Macquarie was a a big favorite. So I have a lot of memories of, of that place. We would go there, spend time just fishing with dad and and mum. And uh, I think those are some of the most vivid memories that I have, family holidays with my, with my parents in the car. Cool. And do you have an early memory of God or of religion or anything like that? Yeah, look, I think growing up, it was, it was a bit strange. I went to church with my parents. I remember probably when I was about four or five, and that was for a very brief period and then after that, during most of primary school and high school, I didn't have any exposure or real exposure to God or, or religion at all. So it was really until much later in life that I first really encountered God and who Jesus was and the scriptures. Right. So can you talk about that? At what point it, it became a reality for yourself? Yep. Look, growing up, I was in an environment where I was encouraged to be self-sufficient, to be self-determining. It was instilled into me through the schooling that I had and and to a certain extent, my family as well, that the world was my oyster. So Mm. pretty much go out there, be ambitious, achieve everything that you want. You're in control of your own life. And I think I very much lived out that philosophy and that worldview for most of my teenage years and then I remember getting towards the end of high school and 
for the first time I began to question what my purpose was in life. Mm. Was there any real meaning beyond this path that I pretty much set myself on along with everyone else who was around me? And I remember during year 12 that I began to challenge a lot of the status quo that was in my life. And after the HSC, I guess my world opened up mm. and I began to ask a lot of those questions in, in greater detail uh, and really investigating uh, all those things that had been niggling on my heart. But I think what really tipped me over the edge to, to step out of where I was was watching the experience that my younger sister went through. So she went through a very difficult period in her life where she was in and out of hospital. We were having a lot of counseling sessions and to see, I think, the psychological impact that, that my sister was, was going through really confronted me and really caused me to question whether I did have any control of things that are happening in my life the things that were happening in the lives of my family and people who I loved and cared for. And after that experience, I remember my parents and they, they, they I mean, they, 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 they were people who believed in something greater uh, than just what we could touch and feel and see, but they weren't Christians or didn't believe in God, but they encouraged my sister to go to church. Oh, okay. And... So my sister went to church, but she wouldn't keep going unless I went along. And so <laughs> being the older brother, I decided, look, I'll go along with her. Yeah. And stepped into church in March 2001 for the first time ever um, by myself. And that's my, I guess, first contact with God, if you kind of had, had to put it that way. Mm. And did it resonate with you right away? It didn't, it didn't. I think I went there because my sister wanted to go and I, I went along with her. I did notice that the community there was quite an unusual in a good way. I could see that people were looking out for each other. There was a genuine care and concern. Mm. But at the same time, I found it hard to accept, I guess, a, a lot of the truths that these um, people uh, who I was getting to know they subscribed to. I kind of felt like the fact that they saw Jesus as this person who was real, that they thought God was more than just a concept, that was very confronting for me. Mm. And I think growing up in an environment where I was told that religion was pretty much like a crutch yeah. that would help you get through life, mm. I kind of felt like that's the sort of thing or that was a crutch that a lot of these people were, were leaning on. And to be honest, I'd never really read the scriptures. I'd never investigated Christianity or who God is or was. But what happened was when I started going to church, seeing how these people lived really intrigued me. And for the first time I started opening the Bible, I remember reading through Genesis, uh, then Matthew, and then Ecclesiastes. And I just had this hunger that I'd never experienced before for for truth and meaning and and i found that the bible was really connecting a lot of those dots for me and so i actually became a christian in september 2001 a couple of weeks before september 11. all right wow yeah. it's interesting you mentioned that how did that sort of change the way you processed that event do you think 
Yeah, look, I, I mean, I don't think I had a fully formed theology of mm. suffering in the world or understanding why events like September 11 occurred. But I remember the night I became a Christian, which was, as I mentioned before, a couple of weeks before September 11. It was through a, a sermon on Romans chapter 8. So Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8, the last bit of, of that chapter talks about how nothing can separate us from God's love and that everything in creation, everything that's fallen about creation, everything that's good about creation, whether it's angels or demons or the past or the present, that really hit me, the depth of God's love. And it really struck me, not just intellectually, but I think right in my heart. And when I experienced that, I think that became the lens through which I saw everything. I mean, I could see that what happened to September 11 was obviously very confronting. I didn't understand it, but I was also challenged by passages like Romans 8 to say that, look, how terrible an event that was, nothing can separate us from God's love and mm. that God's love is open for everyone. And that those sort of events and whether it's good things or bad things that happen in this world, they're all pushing us to find our refuge and our safety in God and to find that there is real peace being in connection and relationship with him. So going back for a minute to, you mentioned you went through Sydney Uni and became a lawyer. At what point did you decide that was gonna be your path? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think going through high school, I always was intrigued with the law. My dad was a lawyer. He. I guess he sort of had a bit of an influence on me as well. But what I really did enjoy in high school were the, the humanities, studying history. I did uh, Latin for a bit and ancient history that, in connection with that. And I, I found that I had a quite a analytical mind and I really enjoyed the, the rigor of debating issues and concepts. And so as I finished my HSC, I had to choose what subjects I was going to do or what degree I was going to do in law in, in, in uni. Um, law was really a, a natural extension of what I was naturally attuned to and what I felt like I, I was good at. So I stepped into doing a law degree. I also did a science degree at the same time wow. as part of my other degree. So I majored in biochemistry uh, and finished that alongside my law degree. But I, I found that the science and the law really did work together well, I found that my mind was able to integrate both those subjects mm -hmm. together very uh, naturally. So okay. um, that's sort of in, in a nutshell how I sort of embarked in, on a law degree. Cool. And then I'm not sure if this is while you're at uni or afterwards, but I know you were working as a volunteer at the Redfern Legal Center. That would have been quite an experience. Yeah, it was. Look, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, I spent about a year there during my second year of uni. So that was the time I became a Christian uh, as well. Mm. And look, going into the Redford Legal Center, obviously, it, you know, I grew up in a, in a middle-class family with all the comforts and opportunities that come with being a part of that uh, social de uh, demographic. But I think stepping into Redford Legal Center really challenged me to, to look outside my own world and to kind of see that, look, there are people uh, and experiences which are very different uh, from mine. And, mm -hmm. and I think being in, 
in, in that environment week in, week out, interacting with people with different experiences and backgrounds was really great for me. It really opened my eyes to, to how it is that the law uh, works you know, in, in different parts of society and having the opportunity to help these people um, with whatever experience that I had was really rewarding. Mm. And from your time there, was there a particular experience or individual that you're able to talk about that impacted on you? Yeah, look, I, I don't remember her name, but I remember sitting down with an Aboriginal woman who, who came in and mm. and she was having a number of legal issues with neighbours and just being able to sit down in a room with her and mm. talk with her one-on-one and to hear her story um, was, yeah, it was really... It was, it was something that has really stuck with me. And we spent about 45 minutes there. And, you know, after talking about her legal issue, we began to talk about uh, aspects of her life. And, yeah, again, it just kind of showed me that I had the opportunity to grow up in an environment that was very safe and cocooned. Mm. And to kind of see that her experience was so much, uh, so different from mine caused me to, yeah, think outside and to look outside my immediate circle to 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 experience life and to develop my worldview and to mm. seek meaning. You went on a bit later to found City Regenerate, which has the vision of gospel renewal in the city of Sydney. So you're able to talk about what that means and why you started that and maybe how some of these experiences you've talked about fed into that? I've been working in the city for I think thirteen years now, so it's been quite a long time and and I always struggled to work out what it looked like to integrate my faith, my life, and the work that I was doing in the middle of the city, integrate that together to honor God and to really exalt and lift him up. And I think I, I hit a stage where I thought, look, I really want to see God do a great work in all these workplaces in the heart of the city. I think the heart of the city is a really interesting place because when you look at it, it's a place with so much productivity. It attracts people from so many different backgrounds and experiences. And yet it is a place where culture is defined, where the arts flourish, where politics, you know, is is governed and, and, uh, and things happen right in the heart of the city. And yet I kind of felt like when it came to gospel ministry, churches uh, that I'd been to and people that I'd met with uh, who were Christians, so I'd met in the middle of the city, they were really sort of encouraged to, to work their 35, 40 or 50 hours in the heart of the city and then go back into their suburbs to share the good news of Jesus with people and to share the gospel in their communities outside of outside of outside of the work environment and yet when you think about it for those people who work in the city when you're working that many hours a week or you're spending that much of your life in this place mm-hmm. in such a unique place i think that there's a real opportunity there to to really reach the people in your spheres of influence in your in, within each of our workplaces if we're working in the city and, and then I thought to myself, look, if God could use those workplaces to transform them, to see people come to know Jesus in the heart of the city, 
uh, a place of so much productivity where resources are really pooled, where um, people are seeking to, I guess, glorify themselves and yet have God changed their hearts and have them glorify him and to use all their gifts and their resources to honor him. That would be something that would be really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I guess See You Regenerate really has that vision of knowing Jesus and making him known in the heart of the city by seeing people recognize that they're really epicenters of, of gospel impact. Uh, to, to see that there's opportunities to, to reach the lost there and to organically see the gospel change the lives of people and then change the heart and the fabric of the city and the culture of the city from, from that point onwards. Cool. So what does that look like in practical terms? Yeah, so I mean, we've tried a, a few different things over the... We've, we've sort of been going for about a year and, and a bit, so not very long at all. But, um, you know, the first meeting that we had, our first gathering that we had, my workplace at Herbert Smith Freehills, a law firm that I work in, actually allowed us to use the client conference area to have a worship service. So about 100, 120 of us gathered there and we were just worshiping God in, in song and we spent time wrestling with the word and wrestling with what relationship that satisfies looks like. We spent time over dinner enjoying a meal with each other. So that was our first event. And then we've had subsequent events where we've gathered together in pubs and cafes in town. And we just get to know each other better and get to share our stories and our experiences. We pray for our, our city. Um, earlier last year in about March, we about 40 or 50 of us gathered in the heart of town. And then we decided that we really wanted to just meet the the people uh, who are living on the streets day in day out that we whom we walk past and we mm. don't actually have the time to sit down and hear their stories and to mm. engage with them and we all just went out and got to got to meet them so we sat down with them chatted with them prayed with them shared the bible with them and just got to know them and that mm. was that was really really exciting so we're hoping to do a bit more of that in in the year to come as well Mm. I think that's so valuable because those people would miss that everyday interaction that most of us have in the home and, and at work and school, just giving them that, yeah, that dignity and that value that they really they deserve. Don't Absolutely. They? Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. I'd like to talk as well about your career in the law. So um, you're there at Herbert Smith Freehills. Can you talk about your progression there? So I started as a very junior vacation clerk in December 2003. I was still uh, doing uni at the time and had the you know, privilege of being able to get a clerkship. So I started there and did a couple of months full time as a, as a vacation clerk. I then finished my uni and then spent a bit of time traveling, exploring before starting full time work in August 2005 as a graduate. And I was in the intellectual property group and I really enjoyed being in that group. I was the only guy there, uh, which was interesting. So it was a, a group of female solicitors and partners. So I, I always felt a little bit sort of awkward being the only guy there, but they were very welcoming and accommodating. And I actually had a lot of fond memories working in the intellectual property group. As part of my grad rotation, I was encouraged to try something totally different. So I ended up stepping into the employment group, thinking that I would be there for a short stint. 
of six, six months and then moved back into intellectual property. Uh, and that made sense because I'd done a biochemistry degree yeah. and working in, in that space would really integrate both my degrees together very, very neatly. But um, I ended up be, you know, staying in the employment group because I just loved it there. I felt that God was calling me to stay there. I had developed a lot of very deep relationships in a very short period of time. And so I've been in the employment group since then. Cool. And so what is it about employment law that, that you think really works with you? I think what struck me when I first started working in the employment group as a junior solicitor was the fact that the matters dealt with real life relationships. Mm. So a lot of the matters that we're dealing with were involved people who obviously had issues with their employers where the relationship had broken down and to kind of see how the law was intersecting with something that was real and tangible and not purely conceptual was something that really resonated with me. I think being able to meet with a lot of these individuals in person to see them lay out their frustrations, to then advise uh, individual HR managers as to how to work through the relationship conflicts that were there was something that really excited me. And I, I think another aspect was that I was able to go to court represent my clients to kind of see very early on in my career how the the court and justice system actually plays out was was really exciting and and i think that's what really caused me to stay within the employment group and to make a career out of it great and so what do you find most challenging in the role i think the most challenging thing is also the most exciting thing for me I think that developing client relationships and becoming a trusted advisor to people within the businesses whom we advise is something that is very challenging, Mm. but also very rewarding when I actually see it come to fruition. Um, that's That's something that I have really enjoyed, helping people help their businesses, um, helping, I guess, people resolve conflicts. So as part of my role, I get to go to mediations and conciliations and help parties find compromises through their, their legal legal issues. That's, that's something that I find really exciting. I think also as I've become more senior in my role as a, as a senior solicitor there, being able to train a lot of the younger solicitors has been very exciting. I think that I sort of hit a, a stage in probably a couple of years ago and I really decided that I would love to have the opportunity to, to mentor and to grow uh, a lot of these younger guys in their careers. So we do a lot of leadership training. We, we sit together and we spend time wrestling with what good leadership looks like and how we can influence change f- positively in our, in, our, in our work environment. I also spend a lot of time with them one-on-one helping them work through their career goals and, and, and um, you know, sitting down with them and doing that is really exciting as well. But it's challenging, right? Being mm-hmm. able to um, do that uh, and work through a lot of their frustrations with where they're at and to then sort of help steer them in, in the right direction um, is challenging but also rewarding. Yeah, definitely. 
I, I wanted to talk a bit about how your faith influences how you go about day to day in your work. Yeah, look, my faith impacts everything, I guess, mm-hmm. including the way that I work. And I think that when you know Jesus and you're aware of his presence every moment of your life when you're at work, you begin to see your workplace in a very different light. Mm. Uh, I think that the environment that I'm in is one that's very ambitious, where people are encouraged to really put themselves forward, to do whatever it takes within the rules of the game to get ahead. And yet, I think when you know Jesus, that shapes, that reshapes that entire worldview. Mm. And I think that when you know God, he encourages you and leads you and shows you what it means to put others first. And that's been something I've had to wrestle with in an environment which is so contrasting to, to having a relationship with God. And... And I guess over the years, God has has gently and patiently guided me and shaped me and mentored me to know what it looks like to put others first, to look out for the interests of my clients first, to look out for the interests of my colleagues first, to live a life which is one of integrity and honesty, to not make, I guess, my self-identity governed by what I do as a lawyer or what I achieve in, in, in that space to find my identity in Jesus and then to have everything else flow from that. That's something that I think having a faith in God has really changed in me. Very cool. And do you have sort of disciplines that you or habits that you use that help you to to stay in that mindset and to practice that? Yeah, I do. Look, I think simple things like just getting into God's word every day. I try to use my mornings to, even if it's for a short period of 15 to 20 minutes, just to still my heart to listen to God's voice as I read the scriptures is really important because when I get into the workplace, when I'm in that environment I'm hearing a lot of different voices Mm. some of them are loud some of them are softer some of them are chipping away at my heart and my mind day after day and so the only way that I'm really going to be able to hear God's voice is to spend time immersed in the scriptures so every morning I find that time whether it's on the train or before I I leave the, the house to sit down to still my heart to read from his word and I find that that really that that that's really important for me I think also just reading from the words of godly Christian influences has been very important for me as well so reading from faithful pastors and people who are teaching from the Bible give me that framework to really make sense of what I'm reading in the Bible as well Mm-hmm. And I mean, over the years, there, there have been authors who have really helped me work through some significant paradigm shifts in terms of how I see the world and how I live my life. And that's obviously shaped how I work um, as well. So um, as I'm reading those, the works of those guys, I'm growing, I'm changing. And, and I think finally, the last thing is really just having a group of 
people who I trust that I can wrestle with uh, and bounce ideas off and people who really challenge me to do what's uh, right and to and to not just go with the flow. That's been very important for me as well because you know I, I firmly believe that the Christian life isn't meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived in community and in connection with God's people because God's provided those people for us to, to navigate through um, this life. Mm, definitely. And I want to just touch on something you said there about um, hearing God's voice. So this is something I've put to, I think, a couple of the other interviewees. For people that aren't Christians or mm. perhaps the Christians who don't feel like they would hear God's voice, mm. what does that actually kind of look like for you? Yeah, for me, um, I, for, for me, hearing from God, happen, that happens when, as soon as I open the Bible. Uh, for me, I remember for the first 20 years of my life, not having heard from God at all. And yet when I open the scriptures, seeing God's story of how he created the world, how the world has fallen, how he sent his son Jesus to redeem everything that's fallen about the world, and then the promise of the new world to come when Jesus comes back. I think that when I've immersed myself in that story, I've just heard God's voice speak to me at various points within that story. And every time I open the Bible and I sit down and I read it and I reflect it on it, and then I ask God to do his work of revealing to me what those words mean for me mm. in my life. He has, there's, I mean, there's been times where I kind of feel like I'm not hearing God's voice, but when I hear his voice again, I realize that the fact that I'm not hearing his voice is simply because I'm not being still and I'm not just being in his presence and seeking him. Uh, and, and when I have come to that place when I, I'm s sitting there and I'm reading about his love, about his mercy, about his grace, and then I say to God, God, can you now apply that to my heart? Um, when, he's, when, when he's done that for me, it's been such an amazing and refreshing experience. And, you know, if, if, if someone who, who's not a Christian um, hasn't experienced that, then I just want to encourage them to, to open the Bible and to begin reading, to, to discover and explore God's love and his mercy and his grace for yourself, and then simply ask God to, to open that to your heart and, to, and then walk with him through that process. So you're married. Can you tell us about how you met your wife and a bit about your journey together? Sure. So I met my wife at the first church uh, that I went to. So I walked in, as I mentioned, as a non-Christian into church in March 2001. I became a Christian in September of that year. And then I first came into contact with my wife, Jen, in December of 2001. So we're at the back of church and we just got talking and nothing really came of it. We simply had a bit of a chat and then in the year to come, we spent a bit of time together amongst mutual friends. And in November, 2002, the following year, we started dating and we've yeah, been seeing each other ever since then. And we got married in 1st November, 2008. 
Great. And currently, you also are student minister at your church, Church by the Bridge, which is an Anglican church. Can you tell us a bit about your role and about the church? Yeah, so Church by the Bridge is, it's a church which has been directly across the road from my old church for a number of years. So I think Church by the Bridge planted there about eight or nine years ago. And I've always been intrigued uh, about that church because it's so close to the church that I used to go to. And I visited the church a couple of times over the years, but ne- never really never really spent much time there. And when I got to the end of 2014, I began to explore where God was leading Jen, my wife and myself, because I really had a heart to get trained up to be able to teach from the Bible more effectively to learn how to more effectively pastor and to lead people to to love God and to know him. And so part of that process involved stepping outside the church that I had grown up at as a Christian. So I had become a Christian in second year uni and basically for 12, 13 years, I I hadn't moved churches Mm. and I had some wonderful experiences in, in my old church in Milsons Point. But then I felt that, look, if I really wanted to grow and be pushed to step outside of my comfort zone, I needed to step into a different church. And Jen, my wife, felt the same thing as well. So I began to explore and talk to different pastors from different churches. And I eventually reached out to the senior pastor of Church by the Bridge, Paul Dale. And we sat down, we had a cup of coffee and a conversation and I began to realize that Church by the Bridge's mission and vision was something that really resonated with me. So I decided to take up a student ministry role with that church after moving there. And was it a change of denomination for you or just a change of church? It was a change of denomination. So I grew up in a non-denominational evangelical church. Okay. So that was, it was different stepping into an Anglican church. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I noticed, noticed the differences after spending a few weeks at Church by the Bridge. But at the same time, I kind of felt like both churches that I was at, even though the culture was very different, they were both focused on understanding the Bible and living out the Bible and, and teaching it yeah. properly and, and, and effectively. And so it was great to kind of see that even though the churches were so different, they really were driven by the same desire and the same heart. Mm. Cool. So what do you do as student minister there? So as student minister there, I where I can, I, I, I try to do as much preaching from the word as possible. So I do preaching, I, I meet with my senior minister and we do a lot of training together in small groups and also on a one-on-one basis. I also have the opportunity to lead a community group where we can gather together and, and read from, from the Bible and to really do life together. So that's what I've been doing uh, in, the, in the year that's gone. In, in the year ahead, um, things are pretty much staying the same. So where I get the opportunity to to share from the Bible, to do talks from the Bible, I'll be doing that. Church by the Bridge also has a really exciting ministry where it reach, it's been reaching out to the uh, housing commission that's just down the road from the church. So the Greenway ministry is something that I'll be involved in in the year ahead. And so every month they do a church service there and a barbecue and they spend time just connecting with the residents and sharing God's love with them. 
So I'll be involved with that as well in the year to come. Great. Uh, You talked briefly before about Romans 8. Is that sort of the key scripture for your life or has there been another passage or scripture that you'd like to share with us? That's definitely been the key scripture for my life. I remember hearing it read out to me for the first time in September 2001. And then the preacher was a, a just a visiting preacher speaking from it. And that piece of scripture talks about exactly, it just really gives me a sense of how big and expansive God's love is. And when the preacher was sharing from that passage, he was telling us a story about how there was a plane which had crashed into the icy waters of the Atlantic. And when it hit the water, a woman and her child had been, from the impact, had been thrown into the icy waters. There was a a man who was on board who was looking on to to the woman and her child in in the water and he had to make a very quick decision as to what he was gonna do. He could stay on the plane and, and stay safe, keep himself safe, or he could jump in and rescue them. The man decided to jump in, help the, the woman and her child get to safety on the plane. And yet he also knew that as soon as he jumped into the water to help them out, there was no way that he was going to get out alive himself. And that's exactly what happened. He, he passed away um, and gave his life for the woman and her child. And that's when I began to understand what God's love was like in his son, Jesus, that he died on the cross in my place so that I could be free, so that I could be loved, I could experience God's mercy. And that passage and that story has stayed with me ever since I became a Christian. And it's definitely been a scripture that's impacted my life in ways, more ways than I can imagine. And, and I guess that's why I'm here to share that story with people and to help people understand exactly how amazing God's love is as shown in those scriptures, in, especially in Romans chapter 8. So you've sort of summed up there, I think, the core of your beliefs, perhaps. Are you able to talk about your worldview and how that's shaped by your beliefs? Absolutely. For me, I believe that I have one purpose and one mission here on on earth, and that is to connect with God, to know him, and to make him known to those around me. I want people to be able to see that every one of us has a a purpose here and that's to be connected with our creator and to know that he loves us and to have everything shaped by that to have that love sustain us through times of suffering to have that love sustain us through times of plenty um, to see that every good gift that god has given us is to be used for one purpose and that is to magnify his goodness his greatness and his love and his sovereignty um, so my, my deepest desire is to see God, uh, how long he's given me here on this earth, to see that worldview and, and that framework of living shape my heart and my mind and to shape the choices that I make. 
and how I love and, and treat people. And, uh, you know, I, I, in many ways, I've still got a, a very long way to go. And yet I am also uh, comforted by the fact that it's, it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God's sovereignty and his power in sustaining me uh, in that journey and that path. Yeah, great. And so in the journey you've got ahead, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? Yeah, so at the moment I'm, I'm doing a few different things. So I, you know, obviously I'm part-time lawyering, I'm part-time studying at, at a theological college and also part-time student ministering. I am quite aware that at some stage I, I'm not going to be able to do everything because I think that it's going to be a bit overwhelming. So at this stage, I'm just exploring where God really wants me. I'm praying to him and asking this spirit will guide and lead me into the right path. But wherever God takes me, my, my greatest hope and dream is to be um, involved in some sort of ministry which really leads people to to christ and to leads and leads people to to love him to know him i feel like my heart is really for as i mentioned before the heart of the city i have been in the heart of the city for 13 years working and for 15 years if you count the time that i spent my time doing law school there as well and i have a real real heart for that place i can see that there are people who are living there who are tied to their idols of ambition and success and their self-identities are wrapped up in what they do and I feel like God has put me there and immersed me in that culture not with a view to criticizing it not with a view to to judging it but with a view to to shaping it and to see how it is that knowing him and the gospel can can, can just really reshape our society at its heart. Sparrows and Wildflowers is brought to you by Victory One Media and hosted by Rachel Simpson with artwork by Nicola Gibb.